When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Money never changed a thing. Death kept falling, tracking us down. At least I heard your bluebird sing. Now somebody's got to show their hand. Time is an enemy. I know you're long gone. I guess it must be up to me. If I'd have thought about it, I never would have done it. I guess I would have let it slide. If I'd have paid attention to what others were thinking, the heart inside me would have died. But I was just too stubborn to ever be governed by enforced insanity. Someone had to reach for the rising star. I guess it was up to me. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining us after much too long away, my old pal, John Glenn. Hi, John, and welcome back. Thanks, Rob. It's so good to be back. Yeah. I'm really thrilled to have you here. Now, I have to, I have to own up. Uh, the reason <laughs> it's been so long since John has been on is the last time we recorded, we were here to talk about up to me, which is of course the lyrics I just quoted, which is the you know unreleased song from Blood on the Tracks that appeared on the Biograph set. And I'm back then when when John was on the show and we did it, we had a fun chat. Uh, I made the amateur mistake of not recording the episode. Uh, it's the only time I've ever made that that dumb a mistake, and so the whole show was lost. And I was so ashamed of that that I really couldn't like. I felt like I was. No. I don't know. I didn't want to ask you back on because I just felt so bad about it. But enough time no. has passed now that I feel we're okay that we can talk about up to me again. And I promise I am recording. If you're listening to this, everybody, you know I recorded it. So, John, thank you for, for doing this with me again. Rob, all is forgiven. Uh, and, you know, it was a while ago, and I, I, I don't even remember the discussion, really. Well, that's of, good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, I mean, this this song, I, I had not – when I bought the Biograph set in the, the early 90s, I had no idea that there – were unreleased songs and blood on the tracks i mean that's uh, that album is my favorite of, of bob's records uh and the idea that there was an unreleased song is was just sort of mind-blowing and then to hear it you know look i've said this on previous episodes uh, where we've covered songs from blood on the tracks it is not for me to say blood on the tracks as a record should be altered in any way right at the same time this song is such a masterpiece it bothers me that it's not on the record. I don't know. I mean, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I do. And and as far as style and lyrics and, and, and the way he's singing, it belongs on Blood on the Tracks. It, it it seems to fit right on there. So, you know, there's rumors that he was worried about the length of the album, that it was approaching an hour, and this is a, a, a long song, certainly not the longest song on the, on the oh. album. That would go to Lily, Rosemary, and the Queen of Hearts, but... It belongs on the album. And maybe through the lyrics, we can see why it kind of fits in. It, it, it kind of completes the narrative that's happening on Blood on the Tracks for me. It's remarkable uh, in that it, I love how it just starts, unlike all the other songs, which have a bit of a musical lead in. This one just bang, he's right into the lyrics. You know, you're, and there isn't, uh, there isn't a, a lot of the songs in Blood on the Tracks are, of course, story songs. This one's not so much a story song, although it has some of the greatest locations I would say ever in, in Dylan songs. I mean, the, the next set, the next verse is, Oh, the union central is pulling out. The orchids are in bloom. I've only got me one good shirt left and it smells of stale perfume in 14 months. I've only smiled once and I didn't do it consciously. 
Somebody's got to find your trail. I guess it must be up to me. I mean, he immediately gets – there's so many places in the song that just – it sets such a, a, a tone, a feeling, and yet I have never been able to fully figure out what's going on in this song, really. No, yeah, it, it really jumps around, almost in the same way that Shelter from the Storm kind of jumps around a little bit. But And I love that that stanza that you just quoted. Mm-hmm. I mean, of all the stanzas, I think that's the one that's just so much fun. So, I mean, it just, like, locks you into the song. But you're right. Like, it, it feels like it's telling a story. It feels like it's telling a love story. It's definitely got settings in it. I love that part about uh, when the dawn came over the river bridge, you know. And uh, But you're right. It's not, it's, it's not a linear story. It's, it's a very it, – it just jumps around a lot. But the emotions are are consistent. And so if I could somehow try to make a story out of it, it's a guy who lost somebody, you know, who's at the end of a relationship and he's trying to sum it up. And he's going back over the memories and he's has he remembers some good times. And uh, and then he's on his own at the end. He kind of leaves. He for not really clear why he leaves money. You know, money never changed a thing. There is a kind of um, shruggy delivery to the whole thing, uh, which I I guess there's something about where he says, I I guess it must be up to me. He's not even sure of that exactly. He's just sort of, well, I guess it's up to me. There's a kind of just uh, similar to, I would say, Buckets of Rain, a kind of que sera, sera type feel to it. And that that seems at at odds with the power of of the lines. I mean, the the whole – the line about – I've only got me one good shirt left, and it smells of stale perfume. I mean, good lord! And then the the other line, he follows it up with fourteen months. I've only smiled once, and I didn't do it consciously. I mean, that I feel like, geez, I could relate to that now uh, with the world the way it is at the moment. I feel like that. But I mean, and and, and how about the uh, the only decent thing I did when I worked as a postal clerk? Oh, like, that line! Oh my God! Oh, you know what? Let me let me let me quote the rest of the the words of this because this is just it's so much of it is to you have to get into it. I don't want to get it all out here now. So, so the song continues. It says it was like a revelation when you betrayed me with your touch. I just about convinced myself that nothing had changed that much. The old rounder in the iron mask. He slipped me the master key. Somebody had to unlock your heart. He said it was up to me. Well, I watched you slowly disappear down into the officers' club. I will have followed you in the door, but I didn't have a ticket stub, so I waited all night till the break of day, hoping one of us could get free. When the dawn came over the river bridge, I knew it was up to me. Only only decent thing I did when I worked as a postal clerk was to haul your picture down off the wall near the cage where I used to work. Was I a fool or not to protect your real identity? You looked to learn to burn out, my friend. I thought it might be up to me. Well, I met somebody face to face. I had to remove my hat. She's everything I need in love, but I can't be swayed by that. It frightens me, the awful truth of how sweet life can be, but she ain't going to make a move. I guess it must, it must be up to me. We heard the Sermon on the Mount, and I know it was too complex. It didn't amount to anything more than what the broken glass reflects. When you bite off more than you can chew, you got to pay the penalty. Somebody's got to tell the tale. I guess it must be up to me. There's no left in the bottle. You can give it to Estelle. She's the one you've been wondering about, but there's really nothing much to tell. We both heard voices for a while. Now the rest is history. Somebody's got to cry some tears. I guess it must be up to me. So go on, boys. Play your hands. Life is a pantomime. The ringleaders from the county seat so you don't have all that much time. And the girl with me behind the shades, she ain't my property. One of us has got to hit the road. I guess it must be up to me. 
If we never meet again, baby, remember me. How my lone guitar played sweet for you that old-time melody. And the harmonica around my neck, I blew it for you free. No one else could play that tune. You knew it was up to me. I mean, this is just yeah. devastating, the, the amount of stuff here. I've never heard anybody actually read it, but it really works as a poem. I mean, all the rhymes, it's got so many rhymes. It's got, like, inner rhymes. Uh, I, I love that inner rhyme of I was just too stubborn to ever be governed. You're right. When you read it like that, it, 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 it's a poem. And maybe that's why it starts right away. Right, maybe so. I mean, I love the uh, the Thunderbird Cafe. What a great name, you know? I mean, I feel like, I guess this never, this will never happen because Maskin Anonymous sort of took that place. But, like, if I imagine the Dylan movie in my head, which takes place in, like, the Dylan-verse, there would be a Thunderbird Cafe because that's such an evocative name for a play. I mean, the, the Thunderbird Cafe. That sounds like the coolest place ever. I always pictured on the XM radio show that he was recording in some diner, you know, <laughs> right. Thunderbird Cafe, you know. And yeah, that stanza is the one that really is, is like the odd one out. Like, who is Estelle? You know, who, who like, why? Like, he, that, that, that is brought up and that, that's what. You know, if you like Dylan, I think you like these kinds of stanzas that are kind of an anomaly to the rest of the song. And, and, right, and you've got all like these... names, names. Correct me. I mean, do you feel like any of those names are the or is the woman that he's talking about? No, I, I think these yeah, are people either. that are coming in and out of the story that are sort of just glancing by while he's sort of focused on this other. Pro- I mean, the the thing that the, the line about the whole verse about the postal clerk, which I think is a lot of people's favorite because it's just so evocative yeah um i mean i think for most of the songs except for lily rosemary and the jack of hearts which is you know so so self-consciously a removed story song you get the sense that the singer uh, of the the songs is dylan in some respects and then and then you know the the final verse where he talks about i i played the harmonica i blew it for you free you feel like well that's 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 bob he's he's the singer but then when he puts himself in the mind of this guy who works in the postal office. There's some, again, it's this, this wonderfully drab image of this gray metal office with this guy, you know, and he's just got this picture this kind of a torn picture of this woman. And the idea that the, the only decent thing I did when I worked as a postal clerk, what does that mean? I mean, I, I don't know. I always took it as it's, that's, that's a guy who's finally trying to move on is that he takes the picture down of the woman that's, been haunting him all this time i don't know <laughs> i know and even though it's a dra- you know it's a cage and it's drab you still picture bob dylan <laughs> working <laughs> in a postal office and so there's a little bit of humor there you know yeah but uh and i love how the woman is so elusive she's never really around like she's behind the shades she's disappearing into the officer club you know she's um she, she's not really there she she's just a memory from the beginning it's again. There's some elements here that remind me a little bit of what happens in Tangled Up in Blue, because of course in Tangled Up in Blue uh, he talks about that uh, that he comes from sort of the wrong side of the tracks, where you know Papa's bank book was never big enough. You know, like I wasn't quite good enough for this woman, uh, at least from how her parents viewed it. And here he can't. This woman is disappearing into an officer's club, and he can't follow her. Well, that suggests that he's 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 not a, he's not an officer. He's not a he's not good enough to get into this club. And it's a guy again from the other side of the tracks trying to get this you know sort of capture this woman's heart, but he can't do it. She's going in places that he can't follow her. And that's why it kind of evokes some of the lines from Idiot Win for me. You know, uh, there's a line in Idiot Win where. Uh, 
you know, uh, he's she's leaving as he was packing up my uniform. Oh, right. Right. Like right. lone soldier on the hill, like those images. And then, of course, the, the first line with the money, you know, money never changed a thing. And in Idiot Wind, in the first verse, he's a he inherited a million dollars. Oh, right. Yeah. And so that plus the whole that's why it really does belong on Blood on the Tracks. It, it really it, for me, it kind of fills in some gaps to the whole love story that's happening on that album. And it's, it's I'm, I'm sorry it's not there. I would, I, you know, it, in, when I first heard it on Biograph, I think it was my favorite song on Biograph. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stop listening to it, even though it's a long song. And it and, you know, but yeah, it just was on repeat for so long. And as much as I defend lounge singer Bob, 80s, what do you call him? 80s techno Bob. <laughs> techno Bob, yeah. <laughs> I, barely, I barely defend the crooner Bob. But, you know, but I definitely defend the born again Christian Bob. This is... And I've been listening to this song ever since we agreed on it. This is my favorite, Bob Dylan. He he, he is just this clear-spoken, rambling, <laughs> kind of uh, wistful. He's got a little bit. Of, he, he's got a sense of humor back. It sounds like I I, I love this album so much, and um, it's it's missing up to me. Yeah, I mean, where would you? I, I I've mentioned this on the 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 Pod Dylan Twitter feed that when I I have my Blood on the Tracks playlist. Uh, in iTunes, where it's just the album, but I also, but I do insert up to me into the list, which is sort of again, I feel like that's blasphemy a little uh, to, to to edit the album because again, who the hell am I? But uh, but I do, I put it in there because I just feel like it belongs, and I slot it in between "Meet Me in the Morning" and "Lily and Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts." To me, that is the place oh. that it sort of fits. Now, if you did that, where would you where would you put it? Uh... Even though it's very similar to Shelter from the Storm, I put it in between Shelter from the Storm and Buckets of Rain because for some, I think I remember reading that it was originally going to be the closing track that he that uh, that that was uh, that was the intention. But hmm. yeah, but it would be kind of monotonous. It's kind of got the same. I don't know. I, I don't know the musical term. It's got the same tempo and kind of feel Shelter from the Storm. So you're right. Maybe for diversity's sake you'd put it where you, where you would put it so it would be the first side it would be the first song on the second side of the cassette right i'd be able to depend on how yeah how much they jumble that the cassette up for pete's sakes yeah <laughs> i can't yeah i mean i just i i never tire of listening to this again i i i don't ever know what's going on like some of the other songs on blood on the tracks i never really do have a handle on what exactly is happening here but I nevertheless, it's the feeling that it invokes in me, this feeling of wistfulness. I could see it being the last song on Blood on the Tracks because it does end with that. It must be up to me. And it's almost like that's what he's he's trying to make this connection via his music. I mean, for, for Blood on the – I love Buckets of Rain. I mean, I love that song. And I love musically that it sounds so different than the rest of the songs on the record. So to me, it, it's a good ending. But man, I would, it's a, amazing to think of this record – which opens with a guy talking about playing music out on the road, ending with "I blew my the blew the harmonica around my neck. I blew it for you free. No one else could play that tune. You know, it was a, for that for the album to end with that would have been right. Oh my, wow! You know, I love I, that he talks about the harmonica too. Yeah, because you're right. Then he kind of he gets rid of all the personas that he's had during that album, and you and it and this is Bob Dylan. He's like it. Someone's got to tell the tale. I guess it must be up to me. Right, which is that's exactly what he's been doing and what he's going to keep doing. He's going to go back on the road and heading for another joint. You know, it's yeah, right. <laughs> amazing how much he returns to kind of these similar motifs throughout the throughout the record. And they said, it's, it, 
from what I understand, okay, we need to get into the history of the recording of this a little bit because now, of course, due to some recent news, and we will get to that in a moment, the whole context of this has changed, of what we knew about Blood on the Tracks has changed. Because as far as I ever understood about the recording of Blood on the Tracks was based upon writings by Clinton Halen. Because Clint Halen has written, I don't know, like half a dozen books on Bob Dylan, and I was just sort of took him as the authority because he did all this research. Now, as far as I ever understood, Up To Me was only tried twice. It was done at the beginning of the sessions, right at the beginning, and yeah. it was apparently strongly considered for the album. And then at that point, Dylan had moved on to other songs, and Up To Me had been sort of put aside. And then he returned to it near the end of the sessions to give it one last try, I guess, was still under consideration. I don't recall supposedly which version is the one that made it on the biograph, but it's one one of those two. Because on Spotify, they don't have biograph on it, but they have um, an album that's called Sidetracks or something. Right, right, right. And they label this as Take Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I never knew that. Yeah, me either. That was something I, yeah. And so, yeah, it was like, but I heard the same story that this was part of the original sessions. And the, and the original, you know, uh, recording sessions for Blood on the Tracks, all the songs, even Idiot Wind, was very stark and pared down. Right. And not angry. And then he recorded the album, and I think it was actually pressed. And then the story is that his brother— right, Dave, he, goes, he goes to Minnesota, right? Yeah. <laughs> convinced him that it was too stark an album. And I wanted to ask you, in all your Dylan research, have you ever heard of his brother having so much influence on an album before? Not before, not again. I've is never it, heard of that. Like, well, what, like, it's crazy. To, first of all, okay, so I kind of put Bob Dylan on a pedestal uh, that's way up in the clouds. But uh, I, I, it's funny even to think of him having a brother or having any earthly connection. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He wasn't born. He was just delivered upon us from Mount Olympus. But the fact that David Zimmerman had so much influence, and based on his uh, based on his brother's recommendation, then he went back to Minnesota, Minneapolis, and he got a full band to do the the songs over again. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, is. Can we interview David Zimmerman? I mean, can we get some quote from him? I, that, you know, that's funny you say that because there's all the – I don't know of any interviews of, of him ever. I mean he's still around. David David Zimmerman, he's still around. Yeah, I've never heard of that, that he had such a heavy influence on, on his brother's music and then again pretty much never again was, was sort of consulted. I mean I from what I've heard of the stuff that was on the original – the first bootleg series volumes – I like all that material. Yeah. I think I think the album as it was recorded is superior. I I think the Tangled Up in Blue, the the version that we all know, is to me one of his greatest achievements on in record. I would put it. I would really put it as his top three greatest songs ever recorded. So it's I not to you know. Yeah, I I do agree. I think I think if the if the album had been all the the sparse tracks, it. I don't know. I don't think it would work quite as well. I like the musical diversity of the record, that it has some fast stuff, some slow stuff, whatever. That said, yeah, I mean, he really did, really took a risk by ripping up half the album and re-recording it away from the studio or whatever. But I guess, but up to me was, again, late in the late in the process was still considered, and then it was finally abandoned and, and left behind. And again, this is one of those songs, and I've said this on numerous episodes, for any other musician, this song would be a career pinnacle. Yeah. And for, 
you know, yeah. for Bob to just go, yeah, no, all right, whatever. And again, as far as I ever stood, there was only two versions. Well, now we know. Yeah. And and boy, the timing of this could not have been more perfect, John, because right. just a couple of days ago, we heard the official word that the next bootleg series, More Blood, More Tracks, which is volume 14, is being released on November 2nd. And it is a six CD collection of the complete Blood on the Track sessions, which includes no less than nine versions of Up to Me. I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. I never heard of that th- that existed at all. I know. And what are these versions going to be? Are they going to be different tempos like like the other versions of Blood on the Tracks? Is it going to have new lyrics? Can you imagine if we hear a version that's got like almost entirely new lyrics? Oh man. I know. Like like what would he have changed? It's such a great song. And the other thing is sometimes when you hear the lost songs on a Dylan album, you'll see that he kind of maybe abandoned the song, but he took some of the rhymes or some sure. of the, but there's no sign of up to me in any of the other songs. So he just like, like some of these great rhymes that we enjoyed, you know, like that, that you're reading, uh, you would feel like, well, maybe I'll abandon the song, but I'll still keep those lyrics somewhere. Cause they're such great lyrics, but no, he just like, he just let it go. But now we get to hear nine different versions. <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievable. I have been I have been hoping for many years, and I've mentioned this on other episodes, that there were apparently six or seven quote unquote lost blood on the track songs that are written in that little red notebook, which is reproduced in this in like the deluxe version of the box set that yeah. costs five thousand dollars or whatever it is. Hundred and fifty dollars. You want to yeah. split? Yeah, there, <laughs> <laughs> we have to do have to do a GoFundMe or something. Um but, I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's a great quote from Rolling Stone that calls that little red notebook the Maltese Falcon of Dylanology. That's <laughs> <laughs> completely accurate. Yeah. And Clinton Halen, again, to bring it back to him, had said that he was hoping that there was this one session right at the beginning that apparently was not fully documented. And that was he the, the session he was hoping might have featured Bob running through some of these songs. And there was like, ain't no married woman and uh, ain't going to be no more Mr. Nice Guy or something. I forget the names of all these these other songs. But looking at the track list for this box set, none of those songs appear. So I'm going to assume that those songs do not exist. That, that they, While they exist in lyric form, Dylan never recorded them because this would be the set that they would be on. If, if they did, and uh, they don't. So basically what we're seeing in all six discs here are just alternate versions of the songs we already know, except for uh, buried deep in disc three, there's Spanish is the Loving Tongue, a what? cover of that song. So I don't know, Bob must have just been kind of goofing around in the studio, and he, he puts that in there. So it's like you see all these songs that you're familiar with, and then there's this, this one random cover in there. I mean, that one kind of sticks out. As I was reading the set list, I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, I guess he broke that out. Because where is, that's on a self-portrait, right? Or it was a basement? Uh, it's a, no, it was on, it's on Dylan, the, that revenge record that Columbia right. Records put out uh, when when he moved over to Geffen Records. Um, the other thing that's missing out of this, and again, I don't want to like be like I'm complaining, oh, this isn't complete, yeah, right. but I had read that during one of the Blood on the Track sessions, Mick Jagger stopped by. What? And, yeah, Mick Jagger stopped by, and Dylan did a cover of a song called "Little Red Rooster," which was kind of oh. a tribute to Mick Jagger. And that's not—I don't see that in here. I would have loved to have heard that too. Oh man! But there's another one. What is it? Bell Tower Blues. Bell Tower is, Blues. Yeah. Everybody assumes that that became Call Letter Blues that was released in the Bootleg series, and then it 
eventually got shortened to like meet me in the morning or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Safe. Safe. Assume. But I mean, they like like funny disc two. You've got eight different takes of you're going to make me lonesome when you go. I, I just I don't know. The mind reels at this. There's just so much of that. I had no idea that he had tried it this many times. It's just I know. But the big surprise is up to me. I mean, yeah. and I, you know, normally with these bootleg series, it's a, what is it? Six CDs for $150. And, and then supposedly the booklet's going to have the mimeograph of the red notebook. Yep. But then they normally release a sampler, you know, maybe yep. 12 or 15 tracks, which they, and then they put that on Spotify or it's more affordable. But I really hope there's like three or four versions of up to me on that sampler track because that's, that's the big one. That's the mother load for any, I think for the Dylan fans that, you know, only know this song through Biograph. And Roger McGuinn covers it. I found one cover. And not the Birds, but a Roger McGuinn solo album around the mid-70s, around 75 or 76. And it, it's good. I mean, it's very faithful. Mm-hmm. I can't... Uh, I mean, Blood on the Track seems... I've heard covers of Blood on the Track songs. But I just can't... I don't know. This album feels so personal. I just can't imagine somebody else being able to cover these songs effectively. I don't know. I could be crazy. Uh, no, it's not the same. But what's your favorite Blood on the Tracks cover? I guess when I ask that question, I'm going to give a shout out to the Miley Cyrus version of uh, You're Going to Make Me Lonesome When You Go. I like that. that that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I. it's funny you mentioned about how none of the lyrics from Up To Me got transposed into other songs. I never really thought about that, but you're right. Like all these amazing rhyme schemes that he came up with the postal clerk and the thunderbird cafe and the state the yeah. the shirt that smells of sale perfume and the on 14 months i've only smiled once none yeah none of that was all abandoned all of it it's yeah. it really kind of amazing and like you said it would be a achievement for any other even the great songwriters that we all like you know yeah that I don't think anybody else but Dylan would just not use these rhymes that he or, or, or even just to shorten the song a little bit because you don't, you know, some editor could come by and say, well, you could take out this stanza, this stanza, and you'd have like a three minute song and then you, you'd fit it in. But he just gave it all up. And we saw that with Blind Willie McTell, you know, but he eventually started playing that live. He, did he and. Actually, I should look this up. He never even played this live. I think no. This has been played. BobDylan.com. Play times played live zero. So, yeah. yeah, this was written, recorded, and then just and just pretty much put put away until a biograph came out. And so he said, "It's I. It is. I can't not put it on Blood on the Tracks when I listen to Blood on the Tracks because to me it just fits so perfectly. And it's and as you say, it 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 helps complete the thought. It, to me, this there is another angle to the. Failed relationship that that blood or failed relationships really that are the focus of the album. To me, this this is it's a reflection of from many different angles, and this is an angle. This is a different angle than the other ten songs on that record have. And yeah. to me, it's like I don't want to say Blood on the Tracks is incomplete without it because it isn't. Blood on the Tracks is a is a masterpiece record, but I can't. Once I heard it, I was like, it it just belongs in there because it is just such a powerful piece of work and even though yeah thematically it does it is a bit similar to, to buckets of rain and things like that and children from the storm sonically it sounds a bit like that you know i, I want to use the word summation it's almost like an epilogue you know where if it was going to appear at the end of the album it would be this very long epilogue that seems to connect all the characters but not in an obvious way it's like you say it's more of like an a, a, 
evocation. I don't know how to pronounce that word, but it, it, you know, it's it's like this, and it's this dream image that just, um, it, well, like you say, you become. A, it's so funny, you know, the great Dylan songs, and you try to because they're all based on these amazing lyrics and stories. When you try to talk about them, you almost get a loss of words. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. Hey, just listen to the song. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some songs that I'm able to to go on and on about. Like last last week, the last show that we did, where I I had Laura Tenchard on from Definitely Dylan to talk about Caribbean Wind. I had like a million things to say about it, but this one, I am feeling a little like, yeah, it's just I don't know. I don't. I relate to it. I've I've said this before. Like Blood on the Tracks, when I first really discovered it, it hit me in a way that I didn't expect, and it was one of those things where I had to mentally remind myself that. Bob Dylan in 1975 was not is not talking to me directly. But well, Dylan, Dylan making this record so personal, he, he made it personal to me, and I draw stuff from it that it feels like he is speaking directly to me, even though, of course, that's not the case. Well, yeah, and he's always tried to deny it. I mean, he, that was when he was getting a divorce from Sarah, who was the mother of many of his children. And, uh, you know, people would say, oh, that's your divorce album. And, but he would always say, no. He's like, no. You know, people, and even in Thinking Chronicles, he says something like, oh, they thought it was about my real life, and that's okay. But even Jacob Dylan has a quote that says, I can't listen to Blood on the Track. Yes, that's about right. the story of my parents breaking up. Right, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jacob. <laughs> so, there are messages coming through this. Uh, it's just the, the whole album is like a novel or, or maybe an anthology of short stories. That's it's, and, and Up to Me belongs on the album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, what, and it's, uh, it's kind of a... He, I think that's the album where he really strikes a balance between being straightforward and direct and like getting rid of the sarcasm. But then the still like some symbolist beat poetry is there the like Allen Ginsberg kind of style poetry. He uses really well and in the right places, but it's, it's not so it's not, he's not abstract as he could be like in some of his earlier ones. And so these stories have a real straight ahead, you know, uh, you know, stories that really seem real. But then he's got these images like the, uh, you know, that I, I couldn't follow you in the door because I didn't have a ticket stub. <laughs> like, there's no doubt that he could, you know, he could have bought a ticket, you know, <laughs> like, right, yeah. Say something else. <laughs> and what's that line? I finally met someone face to face. I had to remove my hat. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I, that, that that line that oh geez, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I didn't want to forget that line. That is scarily, I think, how powerful that is. The line about it frightens me the awful truth of how sweet life can be. I think but you for someone make a move <laughs> for for someone of a um, it's a generally depressive nature, uh, which is which I am. There there is something there about almost being scared of how content you can be if you allow yourself to be but you're scared of it and so you know you don't want it because i mean you you read the line and you, it frightens me the awful truth of how sweet life can be it sounds like nonsense like what are you talking about how can you be afraid of that but yet i relate to that right. you know the idea of like sometimes it's you're afraid to let yourself just enjoy something uh and just just enjoy it for what it is what's the lyric right before that it's um she's everything i need in love but i, but can't, I can't be, be swayed, swayed by, by that yeah like, yeah, it's this idea that it's this idea that you get in your own way sometimes. Yes, yes. Thing. And Dylan has that kind of tendency. Like for many years, he was living with Sarah in Woodstock, and he was he was a very happy family man. And then you always get you know, as much as you try to figure the guy out, something kicked in again where he's like, "This isn't me," you know. Yes, this is this would be a great life. 
a poet in upstate New York, you know, but I can't be swayed by that. Really, I could see why he doesn't ever talk about if this is a true album or not, because he really cuts to the bone about who he might be. And I like that he has a sense of humor. Actually, I was talking about this with another Dylan fan. I'm because I was I was really got into freewheeling again the other uh, a couple months ago. And I was like, man, he was a funny guy. Yeah, he was a real <laughs> guy. And he seemed to have lost his sense of humor in a way. <sighs> and also with freewheeling, you get the sense since that, man, we really we, I wish. Well, anyway, people have been wishing Dylan to do something for, <laughs> for a long time. But I really wish he would do some, you know, pointing finger pointing songs again. We really, really need a, a good Dylan finger pointing song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but a lot, of, a lot of stuff out there to point at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I'm so glad that we decided to talk about the song because uh, I think we decided about like two weeks ago or something, and I've been listening to it more and more, and uh, I never tire of it. Yeah. The images yeah. are always fresh every time you every time you hear it. Yeah, it brings it brings every time I listen to it, it brings me back to a, a time in my life, and it's not a time that I want to revisit, but it's a time that was very powerful and memorable, and where I was feeling emotions very high and very deep, and it just takes me back to that place. And again, I love his kind of just that shruggy delivery that he gives it of just like, well, I guess it's going to be up to me or I'm just going to, I'm going to keep on the road. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and, and moving on. And, and, you know, I'm going to not be swayed by certain things that might seem like the, the way to go, but I'm going to just stay on this road. And the, as he goes on, uh, you, you feel like, well, that was the ultimately the right decision. Cause look at the guy, you know, he's still going on. He's still moving on. And it, this is, this album is 40 years old at this point or more 43 years, 43 years old at this point. And it's yeah. still this fresh and still sounds good. And the idea that, I mean, I know we're all diehard fans and you can, you can milk diehard fans for anything. Um, no matter what it is, whether it's a movie or a comic book or a TV show, but nevertheless, I mean, how many 43-year-old records can you re- release a six-CD set about and get people all excited over? That's, it says something. Rob, about- I am so excited about that. Like, I'm really trying to figure out a way to justify paying for it. And I don't even listen to CDs anymore. The CD player in my car broke a while ago, and now <laughs> I just reuse it. So I'm like, why would I even buy this? Like, I have to figure out – I have to buy a CD player to listen to it. And in the end, I probably – you know. But man, like I'm, I'm really saying we should, we should, uh, we should split it. <laughs> you know, you can have I, it for a week. I'll take it for a week. <laughs> I do, I do want to own it. I mean, I will say that I bought the. I, I, I will say I don't spend that kind of money on these deluxe box sets because a, <laughs> I don't have the space, and I just don't have that kind of money lying around to spend two hundred dollars on a box set or whatever. Um, I did buy the last bootleg set on iTunes because you can get the whole, you can get it all. For like eighty dollars. Right. Now you don't get the, the the you actually obviously you don't get the physical media. And as we all know now from Apple, uh, we find out that you don't really own anything anymore. It's all just you're sort of getting permanent quote unquote access to it. So that worries me a little bit that someday some you know uh, Sony Music might decide, oh, we're going to do our own platform and we're yanking all your material out of your iTunes folder. But uh, yeah. I. I can't justify spending $150 on a set, but I also can't wait to hear this material. So I will probably split split the difference and spend the 80 bucks and buy the whole set on iTunes so I can at least hear everything. And I, I mentioned this on Twitter as well, that um, there is a – I am a huge, huge fan uh, of Orson Welles. Like he's one of my all-time favorite filmmakers, and his last movie – 
that has been laying uncompleted for 45, almost 50 years is finally being released on Netflix on the same day this set comes out. Oh, wow. So I am getting to hear new material from Bob Dylan and Orson Welles on the same day. (laughs) So we won't see you that weekend, huh? (laughs) I I am going to, when I get home from work, uh, after I pull down the picture off the cage where I used to work, uh, (laughs) I am going to just disappear. I'm going to be up all night ingesting this material because, and I don't know what to take in first. You know, (laughs) I want to watch the Orson Welles movie, but I really want to hear the 19 versions of Up To Me as well. I know. All right. Well, okay. So the bootleg series, they've really been concentrating on different errors. And we got, last time we got the uh, Born Again error, which I was dying for. I thought it was really great. Um, we got the basement tapes. We got the late. And now with uh, Blood on the Tracks, what's missing? I That's mean, a, is, yeah. is it all? I mean, we got the free, we got the Whitmark demos for the freewheeling. We got the, uh, what was it? The cutting edge for Highway 61 and Blonde on Blonde. I mean, is there a John Wesley Harding? Uh, you know, as far as I know, no, but now, but now that I've seen that Clinton Halen's books aren't necessarily totally accurate, who knows now? I mean, right. I, I've, I've always heard that there were, there's only like two outtakes from John Wesley Harding. Those are just alternate versions of like Watchtower and one other song, but who knows? We don't, we don't yeah. know what exists anymore. So, but I can't, I was trying to think, I was like, okay, this is, it feels like it's a culmination. They waited mm. until this, you know, for the little red notebook. They were saving the little red notebook for this. And unless he comes up with more albums, I, I, I mean, maybe an eighties one, an infidel. Anyway, oh. I mean, <laughs> the down on the groove sessions. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> right. I, I, all right. I since you brought it up, I have two ideas. One, we do not know what material, if any, uh, is missing off of the Jack Frost records. I mean, he he produced four records in the 2000s by himself. I don't think I've ever heard any missing songs off of Love and Theft or Modern Times or Together Through Life or yeah. Tempest. So that, that there could be material there. And then the other one is... Telltale Signs didn't cover some of that? No. It stops it. It, it covers uh, Oh Mercy and uh, yeah. Time Out of Mind. But right. not, it doesn't get into that stuff. And then okay. the other thing is, to me, the live material. There is still no record of him on the never-ending tour there is yeah. no official record of that he's only been doing concerts for 30 years you're right there, there's, there, is, there is no audible official whole record that is audio proof of how great these bands have been that of t- tony garnier i mean they're like my god the yeah. tony garnier years just call it that or something so well, I, I, I have to wonder if it's if it's live material is what's going to be the, the next focus and that makes me think we're missing the supper clubs, the famous supper clubs. Ah, that's right. Those, those that would two. Be, okay. All right. All right. Good. So yeah, hopefully we... <laughs> somebody in the archives is listening. That's what we want. I'm glad we that's could work this out. Topic for up to me, but I think it is part of the topic because this is a lost song. And, the, and when you hear these lost songs and how great they are, you just want to hear more Dylan. Please, more and more Dylan. It's it's said this is the way every time I listen to this, I just I make mix CDs for myself because I still do have a working CD player in my car. And uh, <laughs> I, I made I made a mix CD and I put this on there and just every time I hear it, I just I sing along to it. And it's just so again, it just brings me back to to a time in my life. And that's rewarding. Yeah. And it's just so sweet and sad and funny and all these things i said it really is just a masterpiece and uh there's some alternate universe where it's on blood on the tracks but at least we get to hear it and like i said uh we will have to do another episode where we talk where we hear and compare all these other versions i mean my god i don't even know what other how many 
more versions of this can there be? But at least Rob, we'll, we'll find out soon. Uh, let's do that. Let's plan on that. All right. So about November. So sometime after that, once we, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. We'll, let's do. We'll do up to me. <laughs> seven versions of up to me or nine. I'm sorry. November third. Yeah. We'll book this on November third, the day after it comes out. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll wrap it up here. John, thank you so much for for coming back, man. I. I, I don't feel the need to apologize anymore for not recording the episode because it was a long time ago. But, but I, I do appreciate you doing this again with me because, again, not recording something is like the ultimate amateur podcaster mistake. And so I, I thank you for coming uh, back and talking with me. About don't this. think twice about it. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, okay. If, uh, of course, you want to listen to back episodes of the show, go to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com, and uh, there you can leave comments. And also we're talking Bob Dylan all the time over on Twitter, which is at – at pod underscore Dylan. So, so, yeah. and John, we will, we will, uh, we will re- reconnoiter if I'm saying that right, uh, some point down the line. And we will talk about these, uh, all these other versions that we're going to be enjoying pretty soon. Deal. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. And, uh, we will see you later. Bye. Everything went from bad to worse. Money never changed a thing. Death kept following, tracking us down. At least I heard your bluebirds sing. Now somebody's got to show their hand Time is an enemy I know you're long gone I guess it must be up to me If I'd have thought about it I never would have done it I guess I would have let it slide If I'd have paid attention To what others were thinking The heart inside me would have died But I was just too Stubborn to ever be governed by enforced insanity Someone had to reach for the rising star I guess it was up to me Now the Union Central is pulling out The orchids are in bloom I've only got me one good shirt left And it smells of stale perfume 14 months, I've only smiled once and I didn't do it consciously. Somebody's got to find your trail. I guess it's gonna be up to me. It was like a revelation when you betrayed me with your touch. I just about convinced myself Nothing had changed that much The old rounder in the iron mask He slipped me the master key Somebody had to unlock your heart He said it was up to me Now I watched you slowly disappear Down into the officer's club I would have followed you in the door But I didn't have a ticket stub so I waited all night till the break of day Hoping one of us could get free Oh, when the dawn came over the river bridge I knew it was up to me The only decent thing I did When I worked as a postal clerk Was to haul your picture down off the wall Near the cage where I used to work Was I a fool or not to protect your real identity? You looked a little burned out, my friend. I thought it might be up to me.